The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends and earn Unicorns through successful bets or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Welcome to what I am going to dub is a very, very, very special edition of our 2017 European LCS Spring Split Guest Alliance. I'm calling it special because it is week 10. And over here in North America, week 10 does not exist. But much like ties, our European fans must have even number weeks, I guess. Something like that. I don't know. Maybe my good friend and co-host, Chase redshirt king wassenaar can shine some light on the situation since he's actually lived in europe before so so chase are there 53 weeks in the european calendar you know surprisingly not i know it's crazy to think that perhaps since we have a season format in which europe is playing fewer games overall than north america that it would happen in less time but Riot's made the bold decision to drag this out as long as possible. Uh, I have some some harsh things to say about it later on uh, when we get to my down of the week, but I I don't know, man. We're going to have one more week of league. I guess it's nice because this means we get to watch the NA promotion tournament and get a, a little change of pace on that end before the playoffs go forward, but it's it's a weird decision from a scheduling perspective and not one that I particularly agree with. Well, you know, much like their weird scheduling decisions, last week was kind of weird in and of itself. It was, uh, you know, the first two days were were sweep-heavy, which, Mm -hmm. when you look at the schedule, well, only one of those games really surprised the sweep, and then Saturday was a bit more surprising with uh, three three 2-1 series, you know, Mm -hmm. two game, two series that went all three maps, uh, was a little, one of those games was more interesting than the other but we will start with our up and chase do you feel the unicorn magic oh is that what i have to do for my up this week oh you don't have to do that for your up i know you're gonna say rocket of course i'm saying rocket i'm gonna fanboy this to death come on you're allowed i went through this was a 0 and 7 team that had no hope that i was talking about being like a dead dog that i didn't or dying dog and i didn't know what to do with him and now this is one of the, you know, possibly better macro teams in Europe right now. I mean, it's one thing to win against a team like Misfits. You know, you can do a lot of things to throw teams off their game. Misfits have a very clear identity. They like to play the early game, snowball from there, you know, really aggressive rotations. But that's very hard for most teams to keep up with. Certainly not something that Rockat could keep up with the last time these teams met. And Rockat's rotations were immaculate. 
especially in game two. Game two was one of the most impressive victories I've seen from any team not named G2 or Unicorns of Love. Maybe H2K had, had one in there as well. But this was one of the more impressive individual map victories I've seen. Just very clean, very crisp rotations, you know, tower pressure all along the map. They really made use of that Ziggs pick to take down towers very quickly and effectively. Faxi! Faxi out of nowhere is just this hard engaged king. Just, oh, hard CC ult? Perfect. So let me set up my team for the engage that's going to completely swing the game in our favor. And the fact that they only allowed three kills and three towers in that game, too, says so much about, you know, how much cohesion there is right now in Rocket's team fighting. They don't get caught out when they're grouped up together. There's not those positioning errors that we used to see um, from someone like Maxlor or Faxi, and we're not seeing Hjarnin, you know, kind of towards the back and not really attacking because he's afraid that, you know, if he steps up two steps, he's going to get absolutely annihilated. You know, he had an interview earlier this week where he said, yeah, I don't care whether it's Bang or Faker or whoever it is. It's the same champions I play all the time, which is absurd. But you know what? Screw it! I'll take overconfident Yarnin. That's so much better than Altec from season, you know, from Gravity era where he just runs away at the end of every fight. I'll take this every time. So I'm I'm digging it. I'm soaking in the the glory that is this new Rocket team. And you know, again, it's not going to lead to the playoffs. It almost looked like it might for a little bit when when Fnatic blew that game two to Giants. But I've accepted it a long time ago. This is not a playoff team, but they are a real team and a team that is going to be a actual threat to make the playoffs next split. You know, this would be a, a solid team if the season started today to to be a maybe not dark horse, but at least in the running, in that conversation. And that's so much more than I think any of us expected from Rocket all of three weeks ago. So shout out to them. And, and you know what? Shout out to Grabs because for all the crap I gave him earlier on in the split, his drafts have improved and the team's macro play. I mean, that doesn't come from nowhere. So shout out to him for putting in the work and helping to turn things around. You know, I remember you, you know, dying dog and they give a little bit of life. This is that dying, you know, 15 year old dog, basically like someone breaking into your house and that dog taking him down and like protecting you and surviving, and you're like, well, no, I, I can't, you, you saved my life, I owe you, like, a life debt. <laughs> uh, that being said, as much as I would love to continue the gushing about Rockat, um, I won't because you just heard Rockat's number one fanboy do that, so instead, I'm gonna send my up to the top two teams in the league taking care of business yes. against the worst two teams in the league. There is something to be said for a good team beating a bad team. But there are moments where you do see bad teams, especially towards the end of seasons, get a little chippy. They start going for chop blocks. They start, you know, really setting some hard picks on possible MVP players and, you know, trying to maybe hurt them before the playoffs and all these kind of rough plays. And you see really good teams down the stretch fade a little and get into situations. Not, you know, not they're going to, you know, make it a three-game series or anything, but there are moments during the games where you're like, Okay, like I'm not I'm not feeling too good about this team. And G2 and Unicorns of Love in a very, very weak week for them, opponent wise, just took care of business. They swept up. They said, Giants, Orion, you're not in our same stratosphere. Get out of here. We want to move on. Two very quick series on both of them. 
And it's really good to see that out of the top two teams in Europe because towards the end of the split, we have seen, you know, top two teams in both North America and Europe falter a little uh, in the past. North America, I am so thankful that we will not be talking about them this week because I don't want to talk about a number one team in North America losing to one of the bottom two. Cough, cough, cough. Speaking of bottom two, Chase, uh, there are always ups and there are downs. So what was your down this week? Well, I mentioned I was going this way in the intro. Let's talk about this format and why it sucks and why Riot should never do this again. Look, I understand the idea, right? I mean, we've seen... China and the LPL do this before. They've got the two-group format, and China tends to enjoy that. But the thing about that is that the reason they do it is because there are 12 teams in that region in their yes. professional league. And so you would have way more matches if they did a double round robin with everybody by having it be a double round robin within your group and then playing the other group one time, you get to 16 series, which is almost as much as what you're seeing in North America. And they have to do it over a, a you know, a kind of different scheduling conflict because of the different Chinese holidays and the uh, tournaments that they add in that kind of break up the action. So there are real reasons that they do it, whereas Europe seemed to make this decision because they want to be different. And change for the sake of change is not a positive. There's this terrible idea, you know, and it's something that I'm seeing with some of the Overwatch League rumors I'm hearing and all. People are always looking to be that next big thing, to be the innovator, because you always get credit when you try a new idea and it works. And when it fails, you can say, well, we tried something new and, you know, we'll make tweaks and we'll learn from it and you never really get crap for it. But you know what? I don't think there's any real logic that has been explained by Riot as to why this format has to be the way it is. Why does Europe have to play five fewer series than North America? Why does it have to take 10 weeks? What was the point of having only six matches for most of these weeks and, you know, being relegated to these, you know, early morning times if you're on the West Coast, but, you know, during the the work day on Thursday and Friday for most North Americans? And, I, like, is, is this, you know... It, why not at least put it in their prime time if that's really what you're going to do? Because it could have been in a better time for Europe, and they don't do it. And they don't have these, you know, two stream days. Isn't that the whole point of why we made that switch last year, is to have the two streams going simultaneously? So if there's a match like, I don't know, G2 versus Giants, that we don't have to watch it, you know? that we don't, It's not, you know, we can go forth and, and not be you know, dragged into, well, we got to keep up with all of these or we won't know when the match we actually want to watch is going to be on. But it's okay because there aren't that many watches you want to watch because of the way they did the snake draft for these groups. And, you know, I understand why they did it this way, right? You want to have each group be relatively even. You don't want all the good teams in one group and all the bad teams in the other. That makes sense. Until you think about the fact that because there are only five teams and because there are so clearly tiers between the top teams and the bottom teams, none of these groups were close. The, the, the amazing stat of the day, for those of you at home who are interested, uh, Group A and Group B, if you go from week two, for, you know, from, after week two to now, so the last seven weeks, there have been a total of two shifts in the overall standings. Uh, in Group B, Unicorns of Love and H2K switched places uh, for one week uh, in Week 6 before getting back to the norm that it's been since Week 2 in Week 8. Uh, and in Group A, obviously, Rocket and Week 8 leaped over Giants Gaming. That's it. 
There's been no other movement. None of these teams have changed their seating outside of those two moves. Who wants to watch that? Like, how much more fun was North America when we had all of these playoff teams that we were right on the edge and we didn't know which one was going to make it? And, you know, there are all these interesting storylines about who was going to claim what seed and it was very close and tight-knit. But you've separated them such that that's impossible because you're not going to have these middle-of-the-pack teams who get to play against each other and create these interesting back-and-forths because the middle-of-the-pack teams only played each other once. It's terrible and it's so avoidable you, you just have to do the thing that we already know works the na format is great it so, does everything you need to do i i don't know so, man like five so of the, the six issue, the, the the real issue isn't experimentation it is that europe lacks the casting talent that north america does look at all the casters north america has and they added captain flowers who is just blown me away as a caster like i watched some of his like when he was doing like the lms playoffs and little things like that but his stage presence and he has absolutely saved zyrene's career in my opinion as a mm -hmm. caster in na him and zyrene have a synergy that i don't think is matched by anyone like at any broadcast pair that i think of except maybe like rivington and kobe and that's just because they get along so well and they have all that banter but give Zyrene and Flowers like two, you know, another split or two, and they're going to be up in that type of synergy. You look at Europe, and it's it's Crepo, it's Deficio, it's Pyra, it's Quickshot. Yeah, Vidis, I guess. Stress, really. Uh, but the the, the yeah. quality just doesn't compare to North America after you get past Crepo and. Crepo and Deficio. Like, I'm sorry, I like Pyra. I think he's pretty good at his job, but when I compare him to the other play-by-play guys over in North America, he's probably fourth on that list. And Quickshot has just deteriorated this year because they put him in a in a position of prominence, in a D-man-like position, where he's probably, you know, at, up at the top of the caster, and I think he's just overstressed. Yeah. I think he just comes off as that they're trying to do too much with him, and he needs a break. They need to back him off a little. So I think that's the real issue is they don't have the on-screen talent to match up with the type of schedule that North America has. If only you were the most played game uh, in, in the world right now that is, uh, you know, or if you had, I don't know, say the the largest esports viewing audience that would attract the kind of talent that would shift things. Or if only you're an international company let, that could move some of these broadcasters over. Chase, I, I don't. Let, I, let's, let's be fair, though. Europe does not have the numbers North America does. There isn't the same type of value. And sure, yeah, maybe you can ask, you know, someone like they asked Pyra, you know, from LPL, like, hey, do you want to go to Europe instead of North America? Maybe they could ask a couple of those guys, yeah, you want to move over to Europe and do Europe stuff? But why would you want to move to Berlin from L.A.? Like, let's be honest. Why would you want to live in Berlin when you can live in Santa Monica? Come I on. mean, I'm going to disagree with that wholeheartedly because Berlin's one of my favorite cities in the world. Shout out to all that's, my German friends out there. That's um, fair. But, that's fair. But, but look, at the end of the day... If you want to fix the problem, at some point you're going to have to take a leap of faith and trust that, you know, if you put the time and energy into it, you're going to get that back out. Riot hasn't done that with Europe, you know, and, and we're seeing the signs of that over and over again. And at some point, either you fix it or we're going to have what we have this week, which is where five of the six playoff teams are already locked in. Sure, we don't know the seating in Group B, but... You know, it's almost it's almost certainly locked in unless something crazy happens. Uh, Fnatic is almost certainly getting the spot unless something crazy happens. So it's, you know, 
as close to getting six out of six before the last week as we could. And by the way, both teams that are in relegation are already locked in as well. All of the storylines that made NA so fun last week are not here. And they, they're never going to be here as long as this is the format that they continue to run with. So they're going to have to figure it out. And I, I'm not looking forward to running this back if that's what they choose to do next summer. Very quickly before we move on to our actual lines, and no, I'm not stalling because I don't want to talk about our deficit in Europe. My <laughs> doubt for the week, Giants. You cost Rock out a playoff spot. Yeah. You hurt my best friend's feelings. That's not nice. I'm not very <laughs> happy with you. And I'm not very happy with Flagshish because I was really high on this kid in the offseason, and he's just he, he, he looks like he's turned into the new Chris, where he's going to be a Challenger Series, you know, all-star, and then, you know... I, Joe DiMaggio's second nephew or something. I don't know. I just, I don't know where that analogy went. I just, <laughs> you really disappointed me. Yeah, you, it was, he's as Damn. disappointing as that analogy was, Walter. So if you're on point. That was the point. That was the point. <laughs> it was really a meta joke at the analogy. end of the day. Yeah. Speaking of terrible, uh, we went one for one on our smart money bets last week. Um, because Rocket 2 owed Misfits, we got screwed out of our, our three map. Which, I, I sat there and I stared at that before the game, uh, you know, a couple hours before the game, and I was on my phone and I had just woken up and I was looking at Unicorn, and I was like, if I gamble on Rocket and they lose, and I tell Chase I gambled on Rocket, I will have ruined our friendship forever. <laughs> just forever. He will never be friends with me. And I was oh, like, man. well, maybe I'll just bet on Misfits to get the counter jinx in. Like, but I was like, yeah, but then, then Karma knows what I'm trying to do, so I stayed away. The yeah. only thing I did bet on was the three maps. And uh, that that didn't go through, but we still got the two zero for Rocket. Maybe they beat G two. Maybe <laughs> that's yeah. that's that's funny, man. I but appreciate what we that. Did get was we got Fnatic versus Giants to go to three maps at plus one hundred five. So we made a whole five dollars last week in Europe. It, it green. We went up, uh, but unfortunately, going into week ten, that puts us at minus two ten. Chase, we might have to make like three or four bets this week to try and try and pump up our numbers here. You know, Europe went is going pretty crazy. They're doing a whole eight series this week, so we do get to make three smart money. It reminds me of the old super weeks. This is what they were trying to avoid was super weeks. Oh man, it's it's delightful. You know, we'll have some fun with it. I think we should. uh, You know, if we see four, I'm happy to do four. I think we gotta do what we can to give some people some value because uh, NA really went off the rails quickly. I mean, it got out of hand fast. So let's let's get some winners, uh, Walter. Let's get started with this. All right. So our first matchup of week 10. 10. Yes. Of the European LCM. Unicorns of Love versus Splice. Uh, both of them had solid 2-0s last week against much weaker competition. As we said earlier, Unicorns of Love crushing Orion. And Splice has really turned it on here in the latter half of the season. They crushed Team Vitality. Chase, I know we talked about Splice a little bit last week, but really, what has been the crux of this resurgence? Man, the meta shift just plays so beautifully in this place's hands. And I, you know, when, when people say that, it, it's usually meant as an insult, right? The idea of, well, it's not that these players are great on their own. It's just that they have this one play style and it happens to be, you know, relevant right now. But, you know, the things that really held Splice back are things that don't matter so much anymore. You know, the weak early game was something that 
really affected them when they were playing against the top tier teams. It's about a 48.3 early game rating right now. That's sixth in the league. And that's after they've been on such a run these last couple weeks. But you know what? That doesn't matter when snowballing junglers aren't necessarily as popular as they used to be. Uh, you know, the idea is that as the games get a little bit later, as we start seeing games that are decided more in the 20 to 40 mark than the 10 to 20 minute mark, which is where things kind of used to be, then things like lane efficiency come into play. In lane efficiency, they're at 51% right now. That's the tide for first in the league. That's everything that you could want in that situation. You know, jungle control, 51.6%. Say what you will about Trashy, but when he gets time, his pathing is actually pretty smart, and they do get good inlets in to get those wards down and get the vision that they need around neutral objectives. Oh, and by the way, we're in a meta now where top laners are able to do so much more. You know, if I'm going to give Faxi credit for the step forward he's made, well... Let's keep in mind that Wonder gets more resources than any other top laner, and now he's in a position where he can play something like his Kennen, which was just beautiful to watch. I love his Kennen. Um, I, you know, I, I think that everything's going their way, and it's, you know, it's not that they couldn't figure this out before. You know, I, I think that maybe if they had more time, you know, some of the team fighting things that they had, you know, were great regardless of the meta, and I, I think that they could adjust. If, you know, in, in a world with infinite uh, time and energy on their hands. But you know what? They're going to take this as it stands. This plays perfectly into where they want to be. And it, it makes this a very interesting series against Unicorns of Love. Because while people think uh, the Unicorns of Love is this early game team because they're, you know, kill crazy and they love to make these ganks. Well, actually, they're another team that, you know, doesn't necessarily have the early game rating that you'd think. They tend to make their big push in that 10 to 20 minute start, you know, rather than a very early start. And then the 20 to 40 minutes is when they start making all of their tempo plays. And their tempo plays are not getting any less effective for the record. Uh, you know, you look at how much they love to play around the top lane and get Visit Chachi ahead. Well, that's led to a 77% Baron control rate, which is absurd and is also first in the league. Uh, you know, Exile at this point, he's getting to roam around the map more because he doesn't have to worry about so many junglers coming into his lane. And that's something he was already doing, but now he's doing it with an efficiency that's just crazy. He's averaging 56 kills per game right now. Next closest is Power of Evil at 4.5. That's 1.1 kill per game more than the next closest mid later. This is ridiculous. I, I, I love what both of these teams bring to the table in that regard. I think it's going to be a very... I think it's going to be a close series. I, I'm not going to say very close because I think that the one thing that keeps me from being able to endorse Splice 100% of the way is that the games that they've, you know, done recently have been against very weak opponents comparatively. You know, beating up on, you know, Giants, Vitality, and Origin is not going to be enough to tell me that you're 100% back in this and we should start treating you like the team that made it to second place in the summer last split. But this is their chance to prove it. And I do think they're going to show more than people expect of them. I don't think it's going to be enough, but I think that'll say more about how good the Unicorns of Love are right now than it will about Splice. I will say that Unicorns of Love, to me, this past week showed they can play varying styles. They showed that they can play a very, we're going to sit back, we're going to farm up, we're going to uh, play to more of a scaling champion composition when they played the Caitlyn and the Cassidy. That very much, Cassidy is very, very weak in the first six levels. 
extremely weak. And Exile did a very good job. And Senkux did too, because he also played Kasten. They both did a very good job of playing around those first five levels and when they blow, you know, blow early flashes to not really die. I believe it was Senkux that had the, the attempted tower dive on his Kasten with the Graves. And he mm-hmm. like was skirting around the tower, so the Graves was hitting the tower and not him. Just fantastic micro, and both of them did very well. But that was yeah. something we really haven't seen necessarily out of exiles playing those kind of scaling mid laners very well and then he you know game one he just had this absolutely brutal talent that mm-hmm. was constantly roaming around the map and him and xerxes have turned into a just fantastic dominating duo in their own right and they have steadying presences in both of their side lanes and in, in visitachi and hella song samix has they didn't need to have the best eighty carry in the world they didn't need to have the best eighty carry in europe they just needed to have someone who was consistent and who could play to their strengths. And that's what Samix has been doing. He's not going to be on my all-pro team. I'm not putting him for most improved player of the split or anything crazy like that. But he has a very, has had a very solid, I'm the fourth man on this roster. You know, I'm going to do my part and try not to get caught and try not to lose the team any games. Chase, when it comes down to it, what is going to be the deciding factor? And what's a very important match for Splice? Well, at the end of the day, I, I think it's going to come down to the top lane. Wonder and Vizichachi are both the guys that these teams like to play around. You know, Wonder gets more gold, like I said, than anyone else. It's 23.4% of the team's gold gets funneled up to Wonder in the top lane. And Vizichachi is the guy that they're constantly looking to make those first plays around. So it's going to be which jungler can get up there first and get those little advantages. I think that Pick a Man is also going to be very relevant. I, I like to see both... Uh, players using either, you know, bruisers or or full-on kind of split-push top laners. I I think that letting them, you know, have this giant map presence is going to be the the way that this goes. Whichever one of them wins is going to have a huge advantage going forward, though, because these lane efficiency ratings, both of these teams are tied at 51%. When they get a chance to work in a lane and get time to really manage these waves properly... Uh, they can, you know, take one objective and turn it into three objectives. And I, I think that the only way you're going to be able to really stop that is to make sure that you don't allow the other team to open up the map. So look to see who gets the first towers. That's going to say a lot about the pace of the game from that point on. Uh, also look for team fights. Um, obviously, you know, Splice is a little bit more passive than Unicorns of Love are when it comes to the way they like to set up team fights. Splice are much more willing to kind of let you sit back and walk yourself into the trap that they want to set, whereas Unicorns of Love say, I am the trap and just charge at you. Um, which, you know, neither one of these is necessarily bad, but... It's going to be very interesting to see which team gets that first pick. I think that you're going to get a lot of a very good sense of how the tempo of these fights are going to go down within the first 15 20 minutes of the game. And and from there it's just going to be whether, you know, either one of them can adapt on the fly. I think that Unicorns of Love put a lot of pressure on teams and I'm I think that if Splice can keep up with that, it's going to be very close. I'm not quite convinced that they can yet. But, you know, that's why they play the series. It's going to be fun to watch. I'm looking forward to it. I, I feel like uh, Visit Chachi has slowly turned into a combination of Dyrus and Balls. I think he's the mm. love child of Dyrus and Balls at this moment. Where Unicorns of Love do like to play through him, which reminds me of Medios and Balls together. But teams also like to camp the hell out of him, which reminds me of Dyrus. So, yep. I mean, I love Dyrus. I kind of like Balls. 
take it as you will. Unicorns love fans. Chase, where did you see the line on this one? Uh, at the end of the day, I think Unicorns of Love are favorites. I think that the casinos have really liked what uh, what they've been doing recently, and they've been getting a lot of bump on that end. I have Unicorns of Love minus 300. You are too high, my friend. Oh! I am too high, my friend, at minus 250 for Unicorns of Love. It is Unicorns of Love minus 163. Whoa! That's splice at 125. And I don't know if this is a splice bump necessarily, or if it is a, this is the last week of the regular season. Some of these games really mean a lot. We don't want to go too crazy. I mean, I guess. That seems like a, that's a sizable splice bump, which is unfortunate, because I was really hoping for some, some great upset odds. I think the plus 125 is very fair. Which doesn't necessarily mean that we shouldn't take it, depending on what the other lines are. I don't know where the value is going to be for the rest of the week, but yeah, I mean they're they're clearly accounting for the way that the meta has shifted and how much more confident uh, the splice have been in, in their rotations and in their uh, their playing around the map. So we'll see. I, I think that's a very fair line, unfortunately for us. But three let, maps are at plus one hundred. Okay, well that seems nice. I I'm. Just, I, just wanna, just wanna put that out there. Uh, yeah. I also wanna put out this series. I just wanna put this series out there because I don't really want to talk about this series. Um, Fnatic versus G two. Chase. Other than Fnatic have to lose for Rockets playoff dreams to be alive. Anything we want to say about this series? Anything in particular? Yeah, I understand that a lot of people are gonna be very excited about Fnatic. Like, look, they won two games in like 25 minutes or less last week, right? That's exactly what you want a good team to do. You want them to stomp up on the bad teams. But let's remember that game one was a game in which Giants decided to take a 16-minute inhibitor and accelerate the game in that way to the extent that Fnatic could just literally backdoor their way into a victory at 24 minutes, which was absurd. And game three came down to Giants throwing their bodies at Caps over and over again while he was on LeBlanc. It could not have been made easier for him. Uh, that doesn't to say that there weren't some things I liked about last week. Uh, Reckless is a legend and deserves every bit of praise that he gets. And while I'm not sure how much of this has to do with Quay or how much of this has to do with the fact that it's, it's not... Nico the Pico, but I did like the fact that Fnatic seemed to fall back onto comfort champs this time around. It was nice to see the AD Kennen again. You know, this is the kind of thing where, you know, if Caps feels more comfortable playing mid lane Kale, all power to him. You're going to look better than you did before if, if your players can start feeling more comfortable on the map and you can start getting Reckless some more help. But, um, if you could just stop the 50 50 Barons, and if so as, I, I know that. You really like hitting that teleport button, buddy. But if you had a purpose behind it, that would be great. I think that would be two, you know, things that they could fix uh, that would make a pretty big difference. I don't think it's going to make a difference against G2. I think G2 are the best team in the league, but I, I had it at minus 600. Uh, so in a reoccurring theme this week of the casinos are playing safe, huh. I went G2 minus 500. It is G2 minus 476. Okay. So not, not, not terrible, but definitely a little, little, like, you know, maybe G2 aren't going to try as hard. Maybe Fnatic get something sneaky. I mean, Fnatic's at plus 320. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, uh, G2 is 
already locked into the one seed. They have nothing to play for other than this unbeaten streak that they currently have going on. I think that they're going to keep playing to that. I think that's something that, you know, Ocelot and company are very proud of. But certainly there's more on the line for Fnatic here. A, a win would gar guarantee that they would be in the playoffs no matter what Rocket does. And I think that all Fnatic fans would rather have that under their belt and just not have to worry about some weird thing happening when G2 goes up against Rocket and suddenly making that series against Misfits on Sunday very irrelevant. So it'll be, uh, I, I think G2 has it, but it's, I can see why the line was lower than I anticipated. Okay. <laughs> you can talk yourself into that. I guess you can talk yourself into Rockat beating G2 in a little bit. But we still have a few more games to get to before we do that. H2K versus Origin in another yes. game that I just don't want to talk about because it doesn't really freaking matter. Chase, any 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 last words to you know Origin fans since this is uh, thankfully the last time we will ever see this carcass across our screens? Well, uh, I'll ask you this, Walter, because I know I'm sure you read my worst teams article. Yeah. They got published on Unicorn. Absolutely. Uh, yesterday, which you guys should totally check out and will be in the description for this video. Where does Origin rank on your worst teams of all time list? Second worst team of all time behind Coast, because at the, that moment, Coast had that lovely, uh, lovely writer who wrote that piece about how Santora had left for TSM that was posted on their official site and then, you know, was miraculously disappeared and... All we can assume is that they're lying in a ditch somewhere in the uh, the Nevada desert. So that coast team takes the cake because I don't think you can match that level of craziness. So, yeah, but they're a solid number two. As a, a very solid two, <laughs> at the very least, it's very hard to see another team stashing away half of their roster onto a challenger team that then also failed to qualify. You'd have to be very, you'd have to try very, very, very hard to be worse than that coast team. I currently have them at three. I, I think that. Move Your Mothers was slightly worse to me, just in the absurdity of that whole situation and the way that their management handled or, or in many ways didn't handle that whole thing. But Origin, you've still got time, man. You can play yourself down over the next couple of weeks. So that, I guess, play is... Play Cyanide. Where... Just play Cyanide, dude. What? Just, Why I not? don't care. Make him 80 carry. Just, I want to see Cyanide. That's all I want to see. Just, just take the Cyanide <laughs> capsule and... Have a mercifully sweet death. Yeah. Where do you think the line is, Chase? I have it at H2K minus fifteen hundred. All right, this is literally the only high line of the week. Oh. You get this, my friend. I said H2K minus a thousand. Um, yeah, it's H2K minus three thousand three hundred thirty-three. Origin at plus nine hundred. And I don't think there's not going to be any value on no, it. No, stop it. Stop there's it. No yeah. value on two L. Yeah, it's at. The 2 for H2K is at minus 285. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's guaranteed money. I, that, that bet's going to land. Origin is completely and utterly just defeated. Um, yep. Yeah, there we go. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, <laughs> Giants versus Misfits? Yeah. Anything to really say about this series other than Misfits kind of needs to get a rebound here? Yeah, well, let's talk about Misfits because that's, you know, the other side of that Rocket coin, right? You know, I, 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 I was I was going to save Misfits for, for their series against Fnatic, but yeah, let's talk about Misfits now. I mean, that's, that's fair, too. If, if we're going to wait on that, then I'll just say really quick about Giants. Um, 
Flash's memento and Knight all being on assassins was cute. You know, I, I liked the idea of like, oh yeah, Flash's Talon top lane. Why not? Um, doing that against Zillion, Ezreal, and Tom Kench was suicide. And I think that that's possibly the best way to explain Giants gaming is just they have these ideas that don't quite work in the optimal situation, and they find a way to use them in the worst possible situation. I I genuinely, you know, most of this roster is not LCS caliber at this point. HeQ should really be in the same conversations as Keith. 2.7 KDA, 652% kill participation, negative 102 gold difference at 10 minutes, and 236.6 earned gold per minute. Oh, and by the way, 401 damage per minute? That's worse than Keith! I Hold on, I'm going to call a big timeout on this because um, HeQ is a rookie. Sure. And Keith is not. Keith has actually been used to try and motivate uh, the following 80 carries. Piglet and Wild Turtle. And he, he has never been used to any of those things. So I'm willing to give him a split when he was brought on at, like, the last moment to be this team's 80 carry. I'm willing to go, it's your first rodeo, buddy. Okay. Sure. I, I, he's getting a pass that I would not give Keith. You're, you can keep Flaxish and HeQ in your little corner. You can have be, you know, lead their fan I, club. I'm not defending him in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying, like, Keith is at a different level because Keith has been around for a full year. Sure. But I, I think that when you look at the numbers, there are enough similarities that we should really be looking at HeQ and saying that this is, this is not worked. And I think that at the end of the day, Giants have a lot of changes that they'll need to make if they escape relegation. I, I think that they might, but we need to see uh, some fire from them in this series. If they can take a, take a map against Misfits, I will be feeling better about them moving forward. But that's going to be a tall task. Where do you think the line is? I have it at Misfits minus 500, but you seem to be insinuating all these lines are low, so I'm starting to get nervous. Well, Chase, unlike Giants roster, this guess was in fact a slam dunk. Uh, I said Misfits minus 450. It is Misfits minus 500. Hey! You absolutely uh, nailed it, unlike the talent top lane pick. <laughs> Where's, uh, what's that put Giants? Uh, Giants are at plus 335. I wouldn't touch it with a 40-foot pole. Nope. Nope. Moving on to the last game that nobody really cares about except our diehard Unicorns of Love fans. That's the only reason I'm watching them is because I enjoy watching Unicorns of Love. I genuinely love your mid laner and your jungle and pretty much everyone else on this team. I love your owner. I've You guys have turned me on to Sheepy. Romaine's awesome. I just like watching this team because I like watching the players. Yep. Vitality, on the other hand, I hate everything about this. <laughs> Absolutely everything. You know, I don't like a single one of their players. None. It, it's one of those yeah. things where Nuke Duck had that one game. You know, they were so close to you know, potentially grabbing that game three against H2K, which they had no right to be in in the first place, but they they had that weird Blitzcrank pick. They were doing some some fun things, and they, they got that Baron. They're, you know, it's it was just nice to see them try, and, and Nuke Duck was hitting these ults and getting them to win these fights that they shouldn't win, and then he steps on that trap and just completely throws away the game, and thus the series. And I can't think of a more apt metaphor to describe what <laughs> Vitality has been. I mean, as you look now, we're in split three, right? You know, this is split three of Vitality, and the one thing that they've kept 
are their solo laners. That core has been here all three splits. And so let's do a check-in on Cabochard and Nukeduck, shall we? Cabochard, right now, uh, he's getting 22.9% of the team's resources. That's the second highest of any top laner. So what's he doing with that? Well, he's got a 3.1 KDA, 60.4% kill participation, just barely ahead in gold differential at 10 minutes, and 360 damage per minute. That's average or worse in every single one of those meaningful stats. So you have a, a player who is getting you a below average performance while getting well above the average in terms of in-game resources. That's a problem. Let's see Nuke Duck here. Nuke Duck, 2.5 KDA, 63.7% kill participation, and 250.5 earned gold per minute. All of those are eighth or worse compared to other mid laners. So what's the plan? How do you build around this core? If this is something that you're going to lock into for split number four, what is your ceiling? And that's the problem that Vitality is going to have to face, and they've avoided this question, you know, twice now, right? We, we knew after their spring split last year that this was a core that had some questions around them, and now those questions are giant flashing lights that we can all see. You have to make some changes at some point, and I don't... I don't think Vitality can afford, whether from a you know fan standpoint or even just maintaining their spot in the league guaranteed, I don't think you could afford to run this back for a fourth time. I think they have to make at least one change to those two positions, and I, I don't know which one it is. You know, obviously, you know, every team, you know, the, the synergy, communication, the way that they bounce off each other is always going to be different, but... They really need to make a change in the offseason, and I guess the fact that they're not going to be in the relegation tournament, they're not going to be in the playoffs, they have more time than most teams to just go straight into tryouts, and I really hope they do that, because I don't see any other way that Vitality jumps out of this kind of perpetual basement dweller that they've become uh, over the last two splits. I had it uh, at Unicorns of Love, minus 800. I don't see this being a particularly close series. Well, you know, the North American Bumblebee epidemic is also hitting you in your guesses, Chase. I had Unicorns of Love at minus 750, and that was too high. It's Unicorns of Love minus 500. Huh. Casinos just really don't want to go high because to me this is a series neither team is really playing for anything well so. unicorns of love needs every win if they want to lock in the one seed because technically the h2k is only one series behind them and uh you know if unicorns of love were to drop a series against say splice they would then need this series so i absolutely disagree That's with that fair. uh That's vitality fair. is what plus 335 like Giants? Plus 335, exactly yeah. like Giants. Okay. I wouldn't touch the series with a 45-foot pole, because that's how much I dislike Vitality. I don't know if it's more insulting to uh, the Unicorns of Love or to uh, or, or to Giants that those lines are uh, exactly the same, because Misfits don't look anywhere near as good as the Unicorns of Love do right now, and yet those lines are exactly the same, and they're both playing a, a similar caliber of team. I understand the Giants are, are worse in, in, in some key ways, but it's not like they're translating into very different win rates. So I I do not like that line at all, but I mean, the whatever. The difference is that Vitality 
That was a two-one two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> so Chase, let me. I really want to hurt your feelings now. Okay. I, I want to make you cry. Oh. That is that is the whole point of this entire segment. Do, right do you really here. want to hurt me? Do you yes. really want to make me cry? Yep. This is not. I'm not rickrolling. I actually want to let you down and hurt you. Okay. G two versus Rocket. Chase, what will it take for Rocket to keep their playoff dreams alive and win this series? Oh man. I I mean, the first thing you need is you need for G two to play the way that they played last week, which. I described it was like watching a bad action movie sequel. You know, we knew all the story beats before it started, and the you know the main players didn't really feel like they were bringing their A game. And but you know, viewers went home feeling at best kind of ambivalent about the whole thing. But I mean, it was never in doubt who the best team was going to be. That's that's really where I, I am with them. And and I think that if they play that way against Rockat, Rockat right now are playing clean enough to exploit that. I think that there are. You know, the way that they set up these rotations and get to the team fight phase, you know, they have do a very good job of making sure that they're not hemorrhaging resources. They're not necessarily going into the 15-minute mark with a lead, but they're very close, and they pick compositions that have that mid-to-late game strength so that as long as they can hold out, they're always going to be competitive. You know, from there, a lot of it's going to come down to vision. Rocket places more wards per minute than any other team in the league, and while that's not necessarily a sign of quality, I've brought that up in the past, that, you know, if you place wards in terrible places, the fact that you placed more of them doesn't really say a lot. But Rockat's macro, as that is their rotations have increased, their ward placement has improved as well. This is something where I, I think that maybe they can get more vision in that regard and stop some of the you know trick flanks that they like to do or some of the perks roams when he tries to split push accordingly. You know, that's something that I think G2 are, are definitely going to try to test and see like, okay, uh, Betsy, can you match perks in a side lane? And the answer is probably no, almost certainly no, in fact. But I, I think that's a smart thing for G2 to do. And I'd be very surprised if they don't at least try to force Rockat into that 1-3-1. And ultimately, that's my problem when I try to talk myself into Rockat winning the series, is that I don't think they have an answer to that 1-3-1, which is something that G2 does really well. You know, we know that Sven can, can push out lanes and, and wave clear effectively. And if they do get caught out in a 3v3 in the mid lane or, or wherever that's happening... He's going to be just fine. Meanwhile, Rocket have really only shown that they know how to pull off these victories when they're getting that big team fight, when they're forcing fights around objectives like the Baron, like the Dragons. That's where they've had their advantages. So as long as G2 doesn't, you know, play sloppily, well, you know, like they kind of did against Giants, and then, you know, and Rocket plays to, you know, and don't really play into Rocket's hands. Don't run into these team fights unnecessarily and force them to really spread out across the map. I th I think G2 has this, but it's not impossible. I don't know, man. I'm just happy, you know, this is the best team I'm that I've seen. I'm just happy to be here, man. I'm just happy to be here. Look, I'm just a guy from Georgia and I'm happy to be here. Since Yankos, Nuke Duck and Vander left at the end of 2015, we haven't had anything as a Rocket fan that you can point to and say, "Yep." Betsy. Sure. You've had Betsy the entire time. Betsy's a great, like, Betsy. two to three option. He's like Reckless. If he's the second or third best guy on your team, you're probably fine. But he should not be your superstar. And unfortunately, he was put in that position, I think. And Rocket struggled mightily as a result. But this could be the dawn of a new era for Rocket. This is a new look team that is playing 
as a team right now. And that's the big thing. These are not looking like individual players that feel unma- uh, you know, outmatched or uncomfortable on the big stage. These look like five guys who are playing as a unit right now and are improving every week. And, you know, what's that? I'm, I'm smelling some, uh, some splice in the air, some 2016 summer splice coming in here. I think that's in play. I think they could be that kind of team. I, I, I could totally see that on the horizon. That's the hope for me. It's not going to work out this split, but they've done enough for me to not care anyway. I have it at G2 minus 600. So uh, we're going to split this. Okay. Which means uh, I'm up a point with two left. Yes. So listen, you know, for me, Rocket, I like them. You know, I like, I like the organization. I am a Betsy fan. I'd, I'd even say I'm a Betsy Mark I really like Betsy, even though he's given me not a whole lot to mark out about other than the fact that he plays Swain and it's glorious and I love Swain. (laughs) But to me, they just feel like a less talented version of G2. And their win condition is what FlyQuest's win condition against TSM in their first matchup was, which was in Game 2, TSM has to face-check into Oriana Ultimates. They have to physically walk into these big team fights. And G2 are too smart for that. Sure, maybe they'll get a little antsy and they'll be like, oh, let's just try to you know, push this and punish this and get on with it. And we get a week off or two weeks off before the playoffs start. We don't have to worry about anything. Enjoy a nice little vacation. Whatever, G2 vacation meme, ha, ha, ha. But I don't think, you know, FlyQuest couldn't do that for, you know, two games in a row. They couldn't get that second game of TSM walking into Oriana Ultimates. And I just don't see G2 doing that. Yeah. Maybe this goes to three games. I could, yeah, no, I, look, if this goes to three maps, that's a victory in and of itself. I I, I do not think that Rocket, you know, they, they are outmatched probably across the board right now. But Rome wasn't built in a day, guys. Look at where they were four weeks ago. I'm fine with them being a worse version of G2. That is so much better than a dying dog. I'm so happy with this. This is perfect. I'm fine. Where, where was the line, Walter? So, you said so Chase and I both said G2 at minus 600. Okay. It is G2 minus 500, but Rocket are at plus 325. Yeah. So they're 10 points lower than Vitality and Giants were uh, against their competition. And you know, I don't usually compliment the Vig on a unicorn line, but that's actually quite smart. I just want to point—I just wanted to point out, like that's—I think that's totally fair the way they did that. I think that's—I think Rocket do deserve at least a slightly closer bump than the previous two series. So, and uh, and three maps. Yeah, what's three maps? One thirty-five. Okay. Yeah. Until you have nothing to play for. I think this goes to three maps. I mean, all you need is a couple crazy faxy olds, oh, and suddenly same. they can snowball some sort of mid to late game thing in their favor. Same. I only need one. I think that's in play. I like that bet. Well, moving on. Yes. H2K versus Splice. This is very important. Game of this the week? This could be a very, very important series. Gotta be game of the week, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, sure. I'd say game a week. <laughs> that was a yeah. very reluctant title. Yeah, that's like, eh. that, that's the thing is I feel like G2 versus Rocket is more important though. Oh. Like I think Splice and H2K are fine with, you know, we're in the playoffs. That's what we care about. I don't think there's a huge difference between being the two or the three seed out of that group. I just like you're either say... playing against a, re- a, re- a reeling misfits or fanatic. Like, 
You just used the word rock at an important match in the same sentence, and my heart just skipped a beat there. Like, that's just, oh, oh, that's so great. Oh, it's, we're relevant. We're relevant, Walter. Ah, oh, I love it. See, this is the thing. Like, you as a TSM fan, you'll never know what it's like to just I be hate, so happy. I hate this. I am gambling on Rocket to beat G2 now. I am going oh, to how kill dare you. your hopes and dreams. How dare you? Because I'm I'm a smartass. <laughs> God damn it. I'm going to do that to you, Chase. Yeah. Don't forget, I'm turning into the ultimate heel day in and day out on this podcast. But Splice versus H2K. Yes. Your game of the week, I'll say it's pretty damn close to me. Mm-hmm. I'll say it's pretty damn close for me. Probably for the two seed. Like I said, I don't think there's any difference between two and a three seed. What do you want to see out of this match from both of these teams? Well, you know, if, if you're the heel of the podcast, I think H2K has been the heel of the EULCS. I, you know, I don't watch a lot of those team you know shows that they do on, on YouTube, but I, I watch H2Ks. Their memes are incredible. Uh, you know, the... You know, Dardock, uh, Liquid letting Dardock down one more time uh, hit a little bit harder than I was expecting. So shout out to H2K's uh, media team for that. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking for H2K to play a full three game series. I I, I I think that last week was very weird for H2K. It's was fun. Certainly, the matches were close, and you know that game three when they finally you know stave off the, the vitality push to, you know, grab the nuke duck out on that counter. Like that was a really great moment. And it, it says a lot, you know, they, they showed some resilience uh, in both games one and three in that regard, because they were actually behind in, in the early game, two out of the three series, uh, three games in the series. And that to me is baffling because it's not like Vitality is particularly good at the early game. And H2K has the best early game in the league. They're 63.3. I, don't know what's going on with them right now. Uh, Yankos, obviously, still great at jungle control. On the whole, 52.1% right now for H2K. That's the second highest. Only Trick has a better handle on how to control as many resources from the jungle as possible. And in game two, he got counter-jungled by Joko to death. I mean, it wasn't... It, it was stunning, honestly, to see Yankos so thoroughly neutralized. So, H2K... Buddy, you you gotta shape this up. You gotta clean up these mistakes here. I understand that Vitality aren't necessarily a massive threat in the same way. You know, I, I hope that you'll be taking the Splice match maybe a little bit more seriously. But these were significant errors. And I, I think that, you know, if they're going to get back to the form that had people saying that they were going to win the group, that they were going to be able to, to maintain that lead over the Unicorns of Love... It's it's got to involve having more than just Yankos play on point. You you need to have Fabivin play a little bit more smoothly than he did this week. I, I think that Nuclear and Che looked great. Nuclear in particular, I I, I love seeing him kind of take a, a step up. You know, people forgot just how impactful he was in the first couple weeks for H2K. So it was nice to kind of get a throwback, I guess, in that regard. And and on the other hand of all of this, you know, Splice. You know, there are. This is a series that you have to win if you want to convince me that you're relevant in the playoffs. Because 
Wonder should be able to take care of Odoamne, right? That you should be able to deal with this. And if you can't deal with the early aggression that Yankos is sending your way, well, you're not going to get very far. So you've got to find an answer for that. And I understand that Suncox isn't necessarily, you know, this dominant mid laner. He doesn't have to be, but he does have to be able to at least keep pace with Fabiven so that Fabiven doesn't start snowballing out of control. So we need to see that. And I need to see Mickey being, you know, being able to make plays of the same level that H2K's bot lane is. These are the tests, right? This is them having to do all of the things we've seen over the last few weeks and do it against a high-quality opponent that will actually test their limits in that regard. So if they can do it, then this is going to be a super exciting series, and I, I think it'll be very much a back-and-forth. I don't think that this series is going to be nearly as clean as Splice's series was last week for obvious reasons, not just because, you know, they're, you know H2K doesn't particularly play that way, but because it's very hard to maintain the level of control that they've exhibited against these weaker teams to therefore be able to have an entire game rest on two clean aces the way that their uh, their game two victory over Vitality did. So it's certainly going to be interesting. I'm very excited for it. I, I think that this could be a splice statement game, but you know what? If H2K show up and smash them and get a 2-0, then we get to start talking about H2K as a title contender again. And I don't know which one of those is more fun to me. I, I think we win as, from a storyline perspective no matter what, so I can't wait to watch it. I think we win from a storyline perspective if we have H if we have G2 and Unicorns of Love, the clear number one and number two, and then you know three other teams kind of all duking it out underneath them to try and knock off the king. So I'd rather see a splice victory here. Chase, yeah. where do you see the line? You know, for everything I said about H2K's weird performance last week, I, I think that that is more of a blip than the the norm. I, I think that they're going to come out strong this week. I have them at, at minus 180 favorites in this series. I had H2K at minus 200. And Chase, yep. your EU Week 10 dreams are still alive, oh, just boy. like Rockat. You take it. It's H2K at minus 175. Splice is at plus 135, and three maps is at plus 100. Yep. Okay. So it seems fitting that much like Rockat's potential playoff chances, that your ability to lengthen your lead in our Guest Alliance Challenge rests on Misfits versus Fanatic. And Chase, is there any worse time to be really rooting for a Misfits victory here. <laughs> They've looked really bad the last couple weeks. I mean, honestly, I, I think that the G2 problem is a much bigger one as a Rocket fan. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get to Misfits and in, in Fnatic later. Don't worry about it. But, but look, Misfits has some serious problems right now. Uh, you know, let's start with the good, because I do want to mention that this is not a... a, a I don't want to be all doom and gloom when it comes to Misfits. Uh, Alfari right now is the most dominant laner in the top lane in the league. And given all the nice top laners I've been talking about so far this podcast, that says a lot. He's right now uh, averaging a 182 gold differential at 10 minutes. That is twice as high as the next closest top laner. That's absurd. And the damage he was able to put out, even in those losing efforts last week, was incredibly impressive. I, I thought that he did a great job of keeping Misfits in that series. Unfortunately... 
I think Misfits is kind of stuck in the past right now. Uh, the drafts that they've been doing over the last couple weeks feel much more at home in 7.3 than they do in 7.5. You have Han Sama as your AD carry, and Lucian is now playable. What are you doing? Why are you playing with this Ash stuff? What's the point of that? You can do fun carry things now, and you have one of the better AD carries in the league. Let us watch him pop off. Please, I shouldn't have to beg for this. You should be able to realize what a strength that can be for you guys. And yet, they're not doing it, and it's kind of puzzling to me. You know, Kakao, I, I understand, you know, he's... You know, he likes to play the Rengar, and that's fine. I, I don't think Rengar is necessarily as bad a pick as the draft rate in North America might insinuate, but I don't think it's an ideal pick for him. And, and the fact that they're leaning onto it so hard when there are so many other junglers that he's been good with that fit in this meta better, I don't get it. I, I don't understand the point of that. And, you know, Power of Evil has been such a huge part of their offense, right? I mentioned that he has the second most kills per minute earlier in this podcast, uh, or kills per game, I should say, of anyone in uh, any other mid laner um, besides Exile. And they put him on Karma last week. Why? What's the point of that? Why? It's like they don't understand that they have all these weapons on display here. And, they, you know, they have all these tools that are perfectly equipped for this meta. And they just won't use them. And to me, that's a coaching problem. That is a, a coach and an analyst team that is not properly identifying the ways that the meta has shifted or they haven't shifted their scrimmage strategies in order to account for these things and, and to make these kinds of changes. And, you know, I, I understand they're locked into the two seed. It doesn't matter. Maybe they are just hiding things. If, if ever you could make a case that a team is just not playing to their best because they don't want to reveal anything, Misfits are the perfect case of what that would look like, right? A team that is not necessarily playing poorly on purpose, but is not drafting themselves into the kind of play style that makes sense in this meta and that we know they would be good at. But, but guys, you could just do the thing that you're good at. It's okay. I promise you, it'll work out. You have these weapons at your disposal. Use them. Make Alfari's life easier on himself, please. I, I, I just I want to see that cleaned up. I want to see them playing to their strengths. I want to see them putting themselves in a position where we go into this next week and say, man, I can't wait to see Misfits in the second round instead of, Ooh, man, I don't know about Misfits. They're going to go up against Splice, and I don't feel good about that series. Their momentum's going in opposite directions. Like, that's not the conversation that Misfits fans want to be having with their friends at the water cooler this week. So, come on, Misfits. Do the if, thing. If, let's let's move on now. If, if you're talking about League of Legends around a water cooler, I really want to work in your office. That's, <laughs> that must be a fa The fact your office might still have a water cooler is kind of incredible. But Chase... Just so you know, yes. when Rocket beat G2, oh god, I'm gonna put a whole bunch of money on Fnatic. I know, a whole bunch of money. So before I actually really ruin your night, where are the lines on this? Who's the favorite? What's the odd? Man, I, I'm very nervous because you've been doing this kind of like reality show style twisting of words to get me to not know what, uh, you know, what side of this I'm on. I. 
said Misfits minus 320. I think that they should be strong favorites here. I think that Fnatic have played themselves down, even if Misfits have been struggling. But I'm feeling a lot less confident after seeing um, some of these other lines. So tell me, Doc, how, what's the what's the turnout? Ladies and gentlemen, I said Misfits minus 300. Mm-hmm. It is Misfits minus 277. Ah. I take the European LCS week 10. Yes. That puts us at 10 to 9 going into the playoffs. And Chase, before I truly, truly ruin your night, I want to do some smart money bets. Uh, I really just want to tell... Wait, what's Fnatic on that, sorry? Fnatic is at plus 200. And this is going to play into my little story at the end, which I'm going to make you cry with. Okay. Chase, I want to suggest to our listeners this week that we take four three-map bets. Okay. I want to take Splice against Unicorns of Love. Yeah, I think that, that should absolutely happen. I want to take G2 versus Rocket at plus 135 for three maps. Yeah. I want to take Splice versus H2K, three maps at plus 100. And I want to take Fnatic versus Misfits, three maps at plus 115. And I don't want to stop there. I want to bet on Splice to win both of their games because they aren't going to go 0-2. They are going to win one of these games. I just don't know which. You know what? Usually I'd fight you on this and saying that six bets can only go horribly wrong, but I, honestly, I've seen the rest of our bets this season. (laughs) So really, what's the worst that could happen, right? I mean, we lost $300 in North America last week because... Phoenix One decided to play Shady out of nowhere. So you know what? Sure, let's do six bets. Let's go all in on this crappy slate of games that have like two or three series that are almost kind of sort of interesting. Let's just do it. I'm, I'm all in. Let's go, Splice. Let's so we are We are going super heavy. We are taking Splice over Unicorns of Love at plus 125. We are taking Splice over H2K at plus 135. We're taking three maps in Unicorns of Love versus Splice at plus 100. We're taking three maps in G2 versus Rocket at plus 135. We're taking three maps at plus 100 in Splice versus H2K. And we're taking three maps at plus 115 in Misfits versus Fnatic. Chase, where can the good folks at home find you before I make you cry? Well, look, guys, when Unicorns of Love and H2K both get 2-0 victories over Splice... Uh, thus meaning we lose four bets all at once. Uh, you can send all of your hate mail to me, at RedshirtKing. I, I, lo- I can't wait to talk to you guys more about some of this stuff. I have some articles coming out, hopefully within the next few days, um, that, I've been, that I'm excited about. Obviously, my EU power ranking should be on LCS Predict. And I've got one coming out for Unicorn that I think you guys are really going to enjoy uh, about the North American scene. So definitely hit me up on there. Uh, and, and, you know, as always... Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. We uh, we appreciate you guys. You you had to make it through 10 weeks of this European season two to get here, guys. And trust me, I, I understand and I appreciate it. So shout out to all of you. So Chase, your Rock at playoff mission was doomed from the start. At the beginning of the season, yeah. right after we did our prediction episodes, 
I made some bets. Oh, no. One of those bets was for Fnatic to win Group A. That is obviously not going to happen. No. One of those bets was for Unicorns of Love to win Group B, which I'm pretty sure is why Splice are going to beat Unicorns of Love, and then H2K are probably going to beat Splice, so that bet doesn't go through. But I made a third bet in Europe. How dare you? I made a third bet that Rocket would make it into the playoffs at plus 800. And this is where Fnatic's plus 200 line comes in, folks. When Rocket beat G2 and are sitting waiting for that last match, I'm going to put 400 Unicorns on Fnatic to beat Misfits so that no matter what happens... I get plus 800 out of that. So, ladies and gentlemen, Rocket is doomed. And Chase never even saw it coming. And that is why at C80s underscore LOL, Walter Fedchuk is turning into the ultimate eSports heel. And until next time, goodbye, Internet. <laughs> Hey there, C80's here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash roughdraftspod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming. Or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com, backslash RoughDraftsPod, SoundCloud.com, backslash EsportsRoughDrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.